let's, let's gather our hearts around the throne room of God. Our Father, our God, Jehovah God, the great I am. We're here tonight to listen to you, to be instructed by you. We're more than 700 that are of age, and we have come a hungering and a thirsting. Thou hast blessed us in the last several days of camp, but we ask you, Lord, now that thou would speak once again tonight powerfully. Lord, the choir has sung and has touched, touched many hearts, but thy word is before us, and thy spirit is in our midst. So with, so with great expectations, Lord, we come boldly to you, requesting that thou would supply the needs of all that have gathered in this place, and all that have gathered and are in the hearing of thy voice. We thank you, Lord, and pray it in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I'm here tonight because many of you have prayed for me. I was a stubborn, rebellious, prideful young man that liked to dabble in sin. But we're gathered here tonight because he prayed for us. Because he prayed for us. And so I'd like to read that prayer by him found in John 17. John 17, the first verse. Christ's words, one of his last prayers recorded. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I have with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, that they may keep thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I have come 
out from thee, and I have and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep thou through thy name those that hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for this sake I have sanctified myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, and that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that thou also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me from the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Some very profound truths found in this chapter and in the scriptures that we're going to look at tonight. The truth is that God is love, has always been and always will be, and that's his very nature. God is love. God created a perfect world and created man in a perfect relationship with him. God Almighty. You and I chose to sin. God hates sin. Before the foundations of the world, God had a plan to restore that perfect relationship that he had with man, yet in a fallen world. The last fact, God is still allowing you to make the choice tonight 
to have a relationship with him. That you might understand what he's speaking about as he prayed this 2,000 years ago for you, my friend, and for you, my brother and sister. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples that surrounded him. And he prayed for those that would hear the truth. The truth that has been spoken this week have echoed through these walls and in our congregations. And he wants you tonight to choose that relationship that will give you peace and joy, that will give you a life that's abundant, as it says in John 10.10, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Relationship with God Almighty. Can you imagine the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one that has put the whole universe in place that cannot be measured? And the last time I read about how large it is, it was 30 million light years in size. And yet our God is greater. And yet tonight, you can choose to have an intimate, personal relationship with him. So intimate that it's like the son describes here. The relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and his people. But it starts with the relationship. It starts with a choice. We need to talk about not only that God is love, and in that relationship that he wants to have with you, you'll find out that he's also a very jealous God. And he doesn't want you to have any other relationship more important than the relationship between you and him. And that's the essence and that's the kernel for all other relationships in your life. And God's a jealous God. He wants nothing to come between you and him. And that's why we need to die to self. It's no longer me, myself, and I. A relationship with God means that is over. And we choose to draw closer to him and him only. So not only is a God of love, but he's a jealous God. And he's a God that hates sin, but he's a God of hope. And he knows that as man chose to go his own way, and he chose sin rather than God's path, he knew that he had to send a Savior, his Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice. And so we need to recognize that whole plan. And the Apostle Paul sums that whole plan of out as repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. 
Faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he hung there between heaven and earth and he shed his blood, the perfect sacrifice for all of mankind. And repentance towards God. A turning away from a life of sin. A life that displeases God. And choosing to die to self and willing to choose God's way. The best way. The other way. There's only two ways. There's not a third. The scriptures are clear. So either you choose a relationship with Almighty God or you have chosen a relationship with the world. And you don't know how far that will take you. And you've heard testimonies here in years past and in the year, evenings before how some of that relationship with the world can take you farther than you'll ever want to go. And you'd never think that you would do that. But that's how sin operates. It lures you in. It entices you. And there seems to be pleasure for a season. And it ensnares you. And you find that you cannot escape. The scriptures bear that out. Testimony after testimony bears that out. That without the strength of Almighty God and the work of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, you cannot break those bonds of sin. You cannot break those nasty habits. You can dress up the outside. You can fool many. But the one who looks at the inside knows exactly what's going on. In fact, God Almighty knows it better than you know yourself. That's what the scripture says. That's what I found personally in my life. I thought I could stop. Yet he knew I'd go further. And that's why you need to make a conscious commitment that I want to choose a relationship with Almighty God and every other relationship I'm going to put aside. If that's a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or if that is some idol that we have tucked away, or that we polish up, or that we drive around, or whatever the case may be, God wants nothing between us. He's jealous, but He's loving. And we need to experience that love. I can tell you I responded to God's call the first time because of my fear of if I didn't, what would happen? The place that was prepared for those that did not love him. But it took 11 years thereafter to respond to a God who personally loved me so much and I could come to that understanding. His great love for a wretch like me. That's how personal our God is. And that's why he talks about this oneness in the chapter we read. 
He used that word one many times. That's what that relationship should be like. That's how close it should be. Are we willing to sacrifice what we know will be the end of torture and torment with possible happiness in little dribs and drabs? Would we be willing to sacrifice that to have a relationship that is beyond belief, that will lead and guide you to places and events and situations that you would never believe possible. And it will be to the glory of God and you will stand there in awe. The miracles he'll do in your life. That one relationship is the one that you have to start with. And if you can It's not you that can do that. It's the Lord that does it. Makes that relationship, cements that relationship together in a covenant sealed by his son's blood and the sealing of the part of the Trinity in your life. Then we can talk about the other relationships in life that God has in store for you that I know will be a blessing. The relationship of you and your family. Now some of you are young folks and you're still under dad and mom's roof and that's important. And if you become a brother or a sister in Christ, then you're a brother and sister with your parents if they're converted. And that's a really beautiful relationship as you work together for the sake of the kingdom hand in hand And the world sees how God created the family and wanted the family to operate and work together. And that's a beautiful witness. And if that family yet is not fully converted or converted, and you're the father of the family, fathers, you've got responsibilities as a child of God, as a man of God. You're the high priest of the house and the Lord has given you some responsibility there. In that relationship with that family, are you the high priest to your house? Do you cherish your wife as Christ cherishes the church? Does your children see that? Are they exposed to that? Do they want to experience that too? Dear dads, dear fathers, are you there like it says in Deuteronomy when your children rise up and when your children are around the table and when they go here and they go there, are you there instructing them and teaching them and showing them God's ways? God gives you the strength to do that based on that initial relationship, that nuclear relationship that you have with God the Father. It allows you to be in a relationship with your family that is something that pleases God. We have a lot of responsibilities, fathers. But if we look back and look to every day the relationship and growing that relationship in God It'll grow your family. 
Your family will be the family that God would want it to be and that you would want it to be. And you would see it the way the scripture sees it. And that you would be all become as one as you work together for the sake of the kingdom. As you draw closer to God in that nuclear relationship. He also has a relationship for you, my brother and sister, in the household of faith. There's responsibilities there and expectations there for everyone. But it starts with a relationship that pants after God's ways, as it says in Psalm 41. Are you hungering and thirsting after God? Is the first thing on your mind when you rise up in the morning that you want to draw closer to God, that you want to know Him in a more intimate way? Second verse we read, and this is life eternal that they may know Thee, the only true God. Willie, do you want to know God in that kind of intimate way? The only true God. Probing questions, questions that we need to grapple with, questions that we need to come to grips with. We've got that relationship now in the household of faith. He's planted us in churches, in fellowships, that we might build one another up. Ephesians. And he has given some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some, pro- and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Quite the expectation. What's our part in that? In edifying the body of Christ. What is our part, as we read in the 16th verse here, of being fitly formed together and compact by that which every joint supplieth, which every member, every brother and sister supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. With the relationship in the church comes great expectation, great responsibility. Once we have developed that relationship with Almighty God, it's not sitting back in our easy chair but it's his strength to do the things that he'd want us to do every day, every moment of every day, starting with ourselves, next with our families and those of the household of faith. That picture language here of fitly joined together by what every joint, every member is supplying In Colossians 2, it uses it twice. It says, knitted together in love. How does that look to you, knitted together in love? This isn't sloppy. This is important. Everything comes together. 
to a beautiful tapestry that the world may know. That's what Christ prayed. Because of that initial relationship that you choose to make with Almighty God and all the relationships that come thereafter that is surrounded by that, the world knows and sees and observes and is looking. Some might look to find the faults or the holes or the flaws. But God is asking us to be knit together. That's how close our fellowship should be. If I look back in my life, is it that way? How am I working in the household of faith? Am I esteeming my brother higher than myself? Am I exhorting my brother and my sister? Am I there to help when there's need of help? Am I prepared to do whatever the Lord would ask me to do? Responsibility. He's given us. He wants us to do. He also tells us that we're responsible to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In a nutshell. And that becomes contagious. Because as we try every day to cultivate a closer relationship with Almighty God, that spills over to wanting to do that with our family and wanting to do that with our brother and our sister in the household of faith. And we become stronger and more united. And our roots grow deeper. And our fruits become more evident. And we are like the tree in Psalm 1, planted by the rivers, waters of life, that bring forth its fruit to His praise, to His honor, to His glory. And it's joy to be effective worker in his kingdom. And you can watch that happen. And you watch as relationships are developed one-on-one with God, within the family, within the household of faith. But there's times when the fellowship is also stressed because Satan isn't asleep. He doesn't like it when God's people work in oneness with Him, in unity with Him. He doesn't like that at all. He'd much rather it be that they'd be scattered. They wouldn't meet so often. Doesn't like the fact that we get together several times on Sunday. Doesn't like the fact that we get together at midweek. Doesn't like the fact that the youth get together on Friday or Saturday. He doesn't like that. He discourages that. He puts obstacles in the way that that would not happen. And he tries to make inroads. And sometimes he's successful for one reason or the other. But the scripture says that as the household of faith and brothers and sisters in the faith, we need, as it's written in Jude, that we need to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. The way you have been taught, instructed, as you understand the scriptures as it was laid out by Christ, his apostles, and the early church.
Contend for the faith that once was delivered. Don't water it down. Don't make it any easier. The more you water it down, the strength is gone. The ability to have victory is diminished. We're not saying that it takes longer or is more difficult. But it is, we want you to have a clear understanding, a full understanding, and your life will be victorious. You can have a life that's victorious, but we need to watch out because Satan is as a roaring lion, seeing who he might destroy. But he doesn't destroy with the first attack. He just distracts. And then he might deceive. And then he might try to destroy. He's subtle. Otherwise, we would recognize him immediately. And that's why I'm so thankful that we're part of a body of believers who's watching, where we have our brother and our sister keepers. We're not nosy and we're not busybodies, but we're concerned for our brother and our sister and their relationship with Almighty God and their effect and their working in the body of believers. And as we work together, as we contend for the faith together, as we grow together, there's some natural things that happen in the church and in the family and in the one-on-one relationship with God. Things that didn't seem to be natural become natural. And they don't become a burden. And sometimes we don't even recognize it that we're doing it for the Lord. And you probably know what I'm referencing. Matthew 25, when he gathers the sheep with the goats and he separates them and he says to those on the right, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And their reply was, When saw we thee thirsty? And we gave you a cup of cold water. When did we see you hungry? Or when did we see you in prison? Or naked and clothed you? As we cultivate that relationship with Almighty God on an individual basis, we come more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, be, we inherit that nature that he has. That we do these things without even knowing them. They're, they're just intrinsic. They're just part of us. We would have never done that before. Before our heart and mind has been transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And before we've had recognized the sacrificial blood that he shed for us. We would have never done those things. Or if we did them, we would have done them with the wrong heart set. I was going to say mindset. It's really the heart set. This is where the relationship is. It's not in the mind. It's in the heart. And that's 
where the Holy Spirit resides. That's where the part of the Trinity dwells. In your heart and my heart, dear brother and sister. And that's what the world needs to see. Our heart. Transparent. Lives that are transparent. We've got nothing to hide. And everything that we have is not ours anyways. It's the Lord. He gave it to us. He asked us to use it effectively. Are we doing that with our families, in our fellowships? And then the Lord instructs us also, but in the household of faith, to go. And we heard that on Monday night. To go and to preach the gospel. And I'm sure also that when you're giving that cup of water, you're probably also telling others of the joy that you have in your heart and why it's there. The peace that you've experienced and are experiencing and why it's there as you give him or her the clothing or the supper or the breakfast or the visitation. You're doing that. And it comes naturally. But God also instructs us to go. And for some people, that's thousands of miles away. For the vast majority of us, that's right outside of our home. Go. The fields are white with harvest, ready for harvest. Go. Tell. Show them that God can work in their hearts and their minds and that He would give the increase as you share the love of God the Father and the joy that you've put, that He's put in your life. But when we go and we have big visions of how these things should be, you need to make sure that your relationship with Almighty God is really tight and you've got the message really clear from Him, that you've got the support from your family, and last but not least, that you have the support from the brethren in your church. Don't do it on your own. If you've got visions and grandeurs of big things, share them. Share them with the church that they might have that same vision or that they might temper that vision. The Lord will care. We just have to be willing. He doesn't care about your abilities. He's more worried about your availability. So let's keep that in mind. When he says go, that all the support systems are in place. The prayer channels, the financial support, and everything else that needs to happen is there. That's how God builds His church, His people, the families. Brother Vic didn't go to Papua New Guinea based on just his vision, I'm sure. It was the, his vision, that the, the, the Lord's vision to him, but I'm sure with lots of support from the church. Responsibilities, relationships, 
And now there are the relationships that we have that are not personal relationships with God or relationships with our family or relationships within the church. But God has given us the ability to have relationships in the community and wherever we might go. And there we're no longer called men and women of God. We're not called brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not called high priests of the home. In those relationships, we're called ambassadors. That's what the scripture calls us. We're ambassadors for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That makes me tremble that in these, this earthen vessel, I could be an ambassador for him. That's a responsibility, an awesome responsibility. And so we need to mind what we think. We need to mind what we speak. And we need to mind what we do. Because if we want to represent the King of Kings... We better have that relationship with him real close, real intimate. Now, I don't have many of these social media sites that many of the young folks are on and even some of the older folks are on. But that's a a place where we represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So before we hit enter, responding to something or before we post something is that a reflection of God Almighty what are they going to think what are they going to say about Willie when they see that post and they see that picture or they see that statement do they see that he's a child of the king or have I disappointed my Father in Heaven by what I might have posted or what I might have stated. Just a warning. Think twice. Maybe think three times. If it's something encouraging and something that you know the Lord wants you to do, then do it. It's a way of getting the word out, the message out. But oh, how easy it is to put something there that's negative and not represented of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we will have to give account for it, both you and I. Relationships. So very important. The responsibility in those relationships also very important. But this oneness with the Father, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, complete in one, for the reason that the world may know. You have those beautiful relationships that can become better because God wants it to be a reflection to the world of his great love for all mankind and especially for his people. 
that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me.